Today, from Jerusalem, we're going to travel east to the amazing nation of India, where our ministry was recently invited to be part of a very colorful gospel festival. I like to tell everyone that I'm an evangelist of the empty tomb in Jerusalem. Hello, I'm Christine Dark. But don't be surprised that a woman is an evangelist of the empty tomb of Jesus. In fact, the first evangelist of the empty tomb was a woman, Mary Magdalene. She was more devoted to the Lord than most of the disciples. So it was to her that the Lord appeared on resurrection morning. And Jesus gave Mary Magdalene the responsibility to tell the good news of his resurrection to his disciples, that he was indeed risen. Recently, an Orthodox Jew asked me an intriguing question on Facebook. He actually quoted the New Testament. He quoted the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16 and verse 17, where Jesus said, These signs will follow those who believe. He said, in my name, they will cast out devils and they shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. He said, if Jesus is the son of God, why are so many Christians sick? Why are the hospitals so full? And I answered, the fault is never with Jesus. The fault is never with the Lord. The reason why people are not walking in gospel power is because of unbelieving believers. But I sincerely hope you're not an unbelieving believer so that the things that I'll share in this program will actually stick in your spirit and encourage you to walk in faith and to accomplish exploits. My daily Bible reading happened to be the story of Jacob at Bethel recently, and it's the familiar account of how Jacob fell asleep and had a dream of a ladder reaching up to heaven with angels ascending and descending. And Jacob said when he awoke, this is the house of God and the very gate of heaven. And we declare this program to be such a gateway to heaven. I'm here to strengthen your faith in God. The message of the cross of Jesus is not only eternal salvation for our souls, but also you need to remember that the atonement of Jesus includes healing of our bodies and healing of mental distresses. Philip the evangelist in the book of Acts is one good example of this. He was a New Testament style evangelist in the true sense of the meaning of the word. He preached Christ, and what was the result? Demons came out of people, and they were healed of all manner of diseases when he preached. As a result of his preaching, cripples walked. Why should we settle for anything less than a New Testament-style evangelism? In our open-air gospel campaigns, that's exactly what we've seen happen. 
by the grace of God, cripples walk, and dark spirits come off of people. In our recent meetings around Asia, I want to build your faith by recounting some of the healings that took place. For example, four women who were crippled or paralyzed in various limbs for different reasons were all restored. They had been suffering from accidents, the ravages of polio, or from acute weaknesses. Various eye ailments were healed. A mute boy began to speak for the first time. And a young woman who had lost her voice began to speak again. Two women who were suffering from an issue of blood, just like the woman who was healed in the Gospels, they also came forward to testify that they were healed and the issue of blood had dried up. A married woman who couldn't get pregnant is now going to have a baby after prayer. You see, it's a big deal for an Asian woman or a Middle Eastern woman to be barren. In the West, it's not the stigma that it is in the East, and many are desperate for prayer to be able to conceive a baby. You see, barrenness is listed in the Bible as a curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But happily, the gospel is good news, and Jesus became a curse for us, the New Testament teaches. Upon the cross, he became a curse so that a divine transfer take, took place. We don't have to bear sickness. And the curses of the law came upon Jesus as our substitute. When we repent of our sins and believe the gospel, it's a new day and all things become possible for believers. Also in our recent gospel campaign in Asia, a man with kidney stones was healed and a woman who had suffered kidney disease for four years was healed. Symptoms of TB disappeared, and a lady whose hand was crippled in a road accident was healed. A girl who suffered from demons and continual nightmares was delivered, and oh, the peace of the Lord upon her face is amazing. Two cases of asthma were healed, and the symptoms, the allergies just disappeared. Many who had suffered from symptoms of heart disease said they were relieved of symptoms. Hallelujah. A woman with injuries, because she had been beaten by her husband, was also healed. I'll share with you a few video highlights. But first, I'd like to share with you also what I often share in our open-air meetings about the first healing miracle in my ministry that happened many years ago in the little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. There was a shopkeeper there, an old uh, Hodge who had made the pilgrimage to Mecca, and we often bargained together. And one day I was distressed to hear that this dear old man was ill. And his wife said to me, she asked me, did I know of a good doctor? Well, of course, this was a perfect opportunity for me to speak of Jesus. So I said, of course, I know the great physician and the good news is he makes house calls 24 seven. And if you would permit me to lay hands on the old sheikh in the name of Jesus, I believe he will be healed. Now, of course, this was a step of faith for me because I had never really laid hands on anybody in the name of Jesus 
Although the gospel says this is a sign that will follow all disciples, everyone who believes. So in the name of Jesus, I laid my hand on him. They gave me permission to do so. I didn't shake him. I didn't pray in a loud voice, be healed in the name of Jesus. I just quietly prayed. In the name of Jesus, be healed of this infirmity because he was suffering from lung cancer and he was a chain smoker and he was literally gasping for breath. Well, what do you think happened? Well, of course, when we start to move out for the Lord, our faith has to be tested. So as I left, he was still gasping for breath and it didn't look like anything had happened. And of course, Satan sat on my shoulder and said I had made a fool of myself and I had made a fool of the Lord, that Christianity would not be proven, it would not be demonstrated. But I had the presence of mind to say, get behind me, Satan, you are in offense. The word of God says, we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I stood my ground and hallelujah, a few days later, one of this dear man's sons came running to me to say the good news that he had been taken to the hospital to have his lung removed. But because he had been feeling so much better, they decided to do an x-ray one more time. And lo and behold, they declared him to be totally healed. He didn't have to have the operation and he was delivered from chain smoking for the rest of his life. Praise the Lord. He does honor our faith when we step out. And the Lord wants you to step out too. And we must take on board the Bible concept that after all, Jesus is a willing healer. In Mark chapter one, this is one of the most important passages about healing in the New Testament. A leper came to Jesus and he said, I know you're able I know as Lord, you're capable of healing me. But the leper said, are you willing to heal me? And Jesus forever put to rest the question of God's will to heal. Since he demonstrated God's will in his actions by stretching forth his hand and touching the ceremonially unclean leper. And Jesus said, I want to heal you. I am Willing, hallelujah. Never forget, Jesus is the willing healer and the leper was made whole. So please don't let there be a question mark over the Lord's desire to heal you. He never changes. He's the same, the Bible says. He's just as willing to heal you today as he was to heal those in the Bible. The same risen Lord Jesus who was willing to heal the leper is omnipresent by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's with me and he's with you and he's willing and able to heal you now if you will reach out to him in faith. The only Bible conditions is that we believe his word, that we put our trust in him, the great physician, that we repent of our sins, which brings sickness and disease. Sometimes healing comes through the laying on of hands, such as the case that I just mentioned that the healing that took place in Bethlehem. But sometimes the Lord just heals because of his presence. 
such as in our great open-air meetings when we don't have time or room to lay hands on everyone. His presence comes and people are healed. A deaconess from England who came on one of our ministry trips to Israel was healed while walking on the old city walls of Jerusalem on the ramparts. No one laid hands on her. She just came in faith and she received two brand new kneecaps. And when she returned to London, she didn't have to undergo an operation for knee replacements, even though the operation was scheduled. Well, praise the Lord. Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms, describes the benefit package of believers, where the psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases. I want you to notice the progression in this psalm. Forgiveness of our sins comes before healing of our diseases. Why is that? Because of the principle also mentioned in Psalm 66 in verse 18, which declares, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Another translation of that verse would be, If I watch sin in the theater of my mind, the Lord will not answer me. So we have to be sure that we've got a clean record with God and then we can come boldly to his throne to receive his healing. But Matthew chapter 18 and verses 21 to 35, Jesus also mentions in this chapter a parable. And he tells us that in this parable, unforgiveness is deadly. Unforgiveness is so dangerous because it opens the door to tormentors. So don't be turned over by the Lord to the tormentors if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. We prayed for an Israeli woman who was in a wheelchair. Her son had been captured by enemy forces and they absolutely brutalized him. She was in a, for years in agony about what had happened to her son and full of unforgiveness. But one day when we came to pray for her and she wanted prayer for healing, she made a conscious decision to release forgiveness to those who had tormented her son, not because they deserved it, but because God requires it in his word in order for us to be free. Well, she released forgiveness, and when we anointed her with oil and prayed, she felt chains, literally chains that were binding her in sickness fall off of her body. She had been on morphine, and she was taking medicine for numerable illnesses, but she had even ceased to have the body of a normal woman of her age. All of the life forces seemed to be dried up and she was skin and bones. But after she forgave, she was in a place to be healed and she was delivered from the bitter torment of unforgiveness. And today, she has a ministry to those who have been brutalized 
or whose family members have been terrorized because she was willing to forgive. Glory to the Lamb. However, this is an important point I want to make in this program. Sickness and disease does not always come upon us because of unforgiveness or because of sin in our lives. As the story of Job in the Bible teaches us, sometimes sickness is the result of spiritual warfare. Here's an example. We were planning an outreach in Ramallah, not far from Jerusalem, a couple of years ago, amongst Palestinians. It was to be a healing service, and it was to be in a gospel banquet on a Saturday night. Well, I called our Palestinian organizer to ask, is everything ready? Is everything set for Saturday night? Well, Christine, he said, tomorrow I have to go to the hospital for a tumor to be cut out that suddenly popped up from seemingly nowhere, he said, under his arm. I said, if you go to the hospital tomorrow, it's very likely you'll be hospitalized for sure, and you won't be in any position to go with us to do the gospel meeting on Saturday night. Have you prayed about it, I asked. He laughed and said, well, my wife said I should pray about it, but I haven't yet. Isn't that typical so often? We just coexist with a problem when we should immediately pray. So I said to him on the phone, let's pray right now. And I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that tumor under his arm to die, to shrink, to disappear and pass away right now. And anything that is obstructing our gospel meeting, we ask you, Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Well, it was wintertime in Jerusalem, and he was wearing, he said, several layers of clothing under a jacket. Suddenly, the tumor exploded, and he said all of the garments that he was wearing were soaked wet. The next day, he went to the hospital as planned, but instead of being hospitalized, they sent him home with a letter saying the tumor had totally disappeared. Hallelujah. And we had our gospel meeting and many lives were touched. But if we had not prayed, he probably would have gone the normal route of surgery and a stay in the hospital and the meeting would have been possibly canceled. So that was a case of sickness due to spiritual warfare, plain and simple. The main point I want to make is that blessings don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose because somebody is willing to believe God, to pray, and to put his word into practice. We have to pay the price to train ourselves to believe God. The Lord is the high priest of our confession, so let's watch what we say. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 is such an important verse. It's becoming more important to me day by day. It says, do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse, a wicked generation, among whom you should shine as lights in the world. 
So time is where many of us miss it. You believe God for a day, a week, but Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, who shall say to this problem, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. What is the Lord's attitude to sickness? It's righteous anger. It's rebuke. It's also compassion. And he's always willing to heal. What is Jesus' attitude to demonic activity? Again, righteous anger and rebuke. And what is his attitude to sin? He's willing to forgive. And he forgives all the time. You and I are not going to break down. We're not going to have a breakup. We're going to have a breakthrough because the Lord has given us the wisdom to depend on him and his word. Our times demand total dedication, determination to develop emotional strength to endure end time hardships. Let's be brave and courageous to accomplish exploits. That's what separates the men from the boys. Let's have a look now at some of the video highlights of our gospel festival from Andhra Pradesh, India, where we saw over 8,000 responses to the gospel and nearly 200 healing testimonies.
you've enjoyed watching this edition of Exploits. All of our programs are available to watch again on the internet at www.exploits.tv. Our programs are available 24-7. And if you'd like to contact me, you may do so through our website. And while you're on the website, you can request a free copy of our eight-page color magazine, Exploits. Until next time, I'm Christine Darg reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to be strong and do exploits. Shalom. Thank you.